Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's Light the Tower. Your daily look around the world of sports with Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way, and Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe, on your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, The Horn. Hour number two of Light the Tower on the Horn. Jeff Howe, Cameron Parker, Craig Way out on vacation. Specs text line is open 337-3776. Cam, I uh, want to get your take on something real quick. Anytime it's just you and I in here, I know you love basketball. You love the NBA. And we're entering my favorite time of year in the NBA, uh, NBA free agency. I love NBA free agency. July 6th. More than I love watching the NBA during the regular season. Um, but at any rate, uh, Cam, have you seen this, uh, all this hubbub with, with Shams and FanDuel and moving the draft odds? So I just want to get your take on this. I'll just lay it out. So last Thursday was the NBA draft, uh, Sham Sharania right up there with Woj in terms of being the, the most notable NBA insider. So ahead of the draft last week, this was, you know, Thursday afternoon. This was Sham's tweet. Quote, sources, Scoot Henderson is gaining serious momentum at number two with the Charlotte Hornets in tonight's NBA draft. Hornets have been torn over the last week between Henderson and Brandon Miller. Team has final meetings today to settle on decision. Now, what's interesting with Shams is, in addition to being employed by the Athletic and Stadium, he's also employed by FanDuel. Well, when... The the news came out, the odds of Scoot Henderson going number two, Cam went from plus 370 to minus 370. Yep. And all the money starts coming in on Scoot Henderson to go number two. And, of course, we know Scoot Henderson was not the number two overall. Nope. The Hornets went with Brandon Miller. You got a problem with this, Cam? Or is it just, and you probably shouldn't be, that much of a degenerate to be betting on the NBA draft anyway. It, I feel like it's in the same arena as not allowing players to bet. Now, I'm not saying bet on their own sport, but bet in general at their own stadium, even though you can legally gamble at some sports stadiums now. Yeah. But if a, if a, you know, a Viking player, he can't bet on a Formula One race, you're going to get you know suspended and fined for that. It's all a gray area as betting and gambling becomes more and more legal. Now, Sometimes, Jeff, like with Waj and and Shams, like, you know, their sources are just agents for the most part, right? And so, you know, sometimes what they tweet out is just they're being a mouthpiece for an agent. When they're talking about, like, the Kyrie Irving, the Dallas thing, 
or excuse me, LeBron James, the Dallas thing, where it's, you know, where I believe it was Shams who tweeted out that, hey, Kyrie Irving has reached out to LeBron to see if he wants to come to Dallas. In no universe is LeBron, and I'm sorry, Jeff, Mavericks fans, in no universe is LeBron James going to come to play for the Dallas Mavericks. So are you saying I shouldn't have ordered my no. LeBron jersey from NBA Shop, my Mavericks LeBron jersey? And you can go ahead and return your Chris Paul Mavericks jersey, too, that I know you I have I, secretly I w- in your closet. I wish I had two of them, one to crap on and one to cover it up with, but that's beside right. the point. But, but anyway, like that, that was never going to happen, but the whole point of it was Kyrie or Kyrie's Kyrie Irving's agent yes. wanted to get people talking about it and maybe to get in LeBron's ear about coming more to Dallas. It's the same thing with this whole uh, Brandon Miller, Scoot Henderson thing. It, it's just, it's possibly just maybe Scoot or Miller's agent, you know, reaching out to Shams and saying, hey, tweet this out for us and I'll get you on the next one. Now, what makes it weird is that, yes, he is a FanDuel employee. Now, FanDuel says that, you know, we don't have any contact with, you know, Shams when it comes down to setting these these odds and lines. But guess what? He does have an impact when the betting line went from, what did you say? Plus 370 to minus 370. That's insane. Insane. And, and you know why it shifted? was literally because of Shams' tweet. Because whatever Shams and Walsh end up tweeting out, or Adam Schefter in the NFL, that dictates the gambling market for the most part when it comes mm-hmm. to free agent signings. In, in drafting players because now you can bet on all those things. So it's a weird gray area, Jeff. You know, if, if you're Shams, you know, maybe I'm just being cynical here, but if you know this, like, if you know all the action, what's stopping them from, like, telling their buddies, like, hey, I'm tweeting this out, but it's still going to be Miller at number two. Or even, you know, using your buddies to make a little money on the side. Now, of course, you know, they get paid millions of dollars to you yeah. know, do their job, so maybe not. But uh, the, the fact that Shams works for FanDuel, though, that he's employed, that he he's one of his employers that pays him money is FanDuel. That's where it muddies the water. Uh, Doug Kazarian is the sports betting insider for ESPN. Uh, he replied to a tweet on this, a quote, interesting topic. It's definitely not "quote unquote" blatant fraud, but it is a reminder not to overreact and also uh, and also take things literally. As I texted a friend earlier, both can be true. Scoot can be making a decision, be making the decision difficult, and uh, basically ESPN's mocks are still accurate with Brandon Miller at number two. Yeah, it felt like Miller was always going to Charlotte. I mean, the only the only evidence that came out that where they were thinking it was maybe going to be Scoot was Sham's tweet. But Woj the entire time was reporting Brandon Miller. Now, what's the basis for Sham sweeting up? You know, is he because he really wants to adjust the betting line? You know, maybe not. If you want to be cynical about it, I kind of think you know there there is some reason behind that for him tweeting that out. Now, as uh, Spec Sexter pointed out, insider trading that happens by senators every day. I mean, it. it you know, you can look at it on the sports side, but it happens politically. That's all a whole the time. different ball of wax, yeah. Yeah, we've already had our political discussions today <laughs> with the NIL. Don't think we want to get more into it in hour number two, but it, it's it is odd when it's Fanduel is your boss, but also you're adjusting the betting market. So, but I don't like it goes back to NIL, Jeff, with you know who's going to govern, who's going to govern it, right? Who's going to decide what Shams and Walsh can or cannot tweet when that's the most popular thing in sports media right yeah. now is these two guys in having the access to tweet all these things out, getting the news ahead of time, getting the draft picks ahead of time. That's what makes sports media so popular right now is Shams and Woe. So who's going to tell them, like, hey, you can't tweet this out 
when it's basically what everyone loves about the whole NFL NBA draft process. I do wonder too if, if Shams had to talk to somebody at FanDuel like, "Hey, thanks for moving those odds so much and throwing me under the bus." If that's what it was, but it's interesting. I, I do want you know in, in the in the vein of the NIL discussion and college athletics reforms, Cam, your your comment triggered something for me in my brain. You know, we're talking about how betting lines for games change, you know, especially on a Sunday. If, if Adam Schefter or, or Jay Glazer or whoever your NFL insider, Eden Rappaport, whoever your NFL insider of choice is, tweets so-and-so is out today, and that shifts betting lines hours before a game. Yeah. At some point, especially with big-time college football, and all coaches are different in terms of how much information they divulge publicly on injuries, at some point, Power Five football is going to have to issue an injury mm-hmm. report. There's just, especially as as, as DraftKings and, and all these other you know, daily fantasy sites get involved with college athletics and get closer to it, and, and the gambling arm is getting closer to it. At some point, you're going to have to have that. Every it's going to be something that everybody has to do it. And it's going to cause friction because a lot of coaches, you know, we saw it with Tom Herman, and we saw you know with with Sarkeesian, we see it with Saban. It's it's a competitive advantage to hold on, knowing that a certain player is not going to play, but not releasing it to the media ahead of time. A lot these coaches know by Monday if a guy is going to play or not going to play for the most part. But yeah. if you listen to the press conference, yeah, you know he he was limited in practice, but it'll be a game time decision. It usually never is, mm-hmm. but a lot of time coaches are doing that because they want to have some sort of leg up on the team they're playing. But as you mentioned with the betting markets, if you're betting on Texas, Alabama, and you know that, okay, hey, Quinn Ewers is not going to play this week or one of Alabama's players is not going to play that week, you're going to want to, hey, I don't want to bet on this team. I'm going to fade this team. But if you're Saban or Sarkeesian, you don't want to give the other team that yeah. knowledge of knowing, okay, we don't have to prepare for this quarterback because we're going to have the backup in. We why, want, why we want, you, we want you, you to prepare to. for yeah. all three quarterbacks. Yeah. Um, you know, What's interesting about that, I've covered four different Texas head football coaches. Basketball and baseball are different, uh, but I've covered four different Texas head football coaches. All four were very different in how they approach injury reports. And granted, all four have come along at, at different times where the sports betting landscape and the daily fantasy landscape much different over time. But, like you know, I remember you know during Mac Brown's tenure, we would get it would be your your Friday evening news dump about seven o'clock on Fridays. You know, we would get uh, an email uh, if a guy was definitely out. We would get an email saying so and so would be out or so and so is a game time decision or whatever. Uh, and you know, Mac was usually as much as he could be pretty forthright with injuries there, and I, I think that really started after the twenty eleven season. Uh, Texas had beaten Texas Tech at home. Malcolm Brown and Joe Bergeron both got banged up in that game. And going into the Missouri game, Max said, you know, both had practiced, or I forget what the actual verbiage he used. Neither one of them played. As a matter of fact, I don't think either, I don't think Joe Bergeron made the trip to Columbia for the Missouri game. And that's one of those deals. It's my point, my opinion, you know, my thoughts on it. And this is just me speaking as a writer. That if a guy, if you know a guy's not going to play at the beginning of the week, you know, just just say he's going to be out, or, or just I'd rather you not say anything at all mm-hmm. than than lie. 
because uh, that makes everybody look bad at the end of the day. It makes me look bad to to my readers and and to the listeners here. Uh, it, it makes you look like a dishonest person. Just I, I, I and in, in that sense, I almost appreciate the way Sark does it. Where Sark's not going to give you anything on injuries, you know, unless a guy is is good to go is going to play, he won't say game time decision or anything. What I like that Sark does, he'll save the the final injury report. What is it, I think three hours before kickoff when yeah. he when he got, walks into the stadium and does his. Is one on one with Alex Loeb, three hours or two hours or whatever it is, and then LHN will report it. That's fine, and no problem with that. Uh, but I, I would almost rather a coach say nothing than than make up something or or intentionally mislead not just the media but the general public. Uh, you know, Charlie Strong, Charlie wouldn't Charlie wouldn't outright give you injury information, but if you asked a question on somebody's availability, he would be, from what I remember, would be as honest as he could with that information. I thought at times Tom Herman was too open with injury information. Uh, in terms of just giving you, you know, kind of the play-by-play on on a guy's injury and the he would give you everything, every detail. Yeah, and I thought I was like, man, I don't know if I'd be saying that, but you know, it's it's his program; he can run it as he sees fit and disseminate information as he sees fit. And then you've got Sark, where Sark won't give you anything on on injuries unless 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 you get to Thursday and he knows without question a guy is going to play, he'll tell you, yeah, they're good to go. Or we'll see if it's a we'll see on Saturday. Then okay, you know it's a game time decision or whatever the case is. We saw that with Quinn Sark. Yours. Sark is very vague intentionally. Yeah, and with Quinn, Sark came out basically that Monday, the Monday of uh, who they play after that was it UTSA. Yeah, yeah, came out that Monday and talked about Quinn. He said, "I'm going to say this right now, and I'm not going to address it the rest of the week. He's day to day, and that's the approach they took." So, when and, he really. He was not going to play for at least three. He didn't play for what three weeks. Well, yeah, and I think eventually it got to that point where I think you know there were really good reporters that that covered this team across the market, and I think eventually everybody kind of got the same information. And uh, Pete Thamel actually might have been the first reporter in terms of what the timeline was and just a general timeline. But yeah, I mean, I would I would rather a coach do it the way Sark does it than just intentionally. Put misleading information out there. Just don't tell me anything, rather than just making up something. I don't know. That's just me. But I'd, back to the point, Cam. I do feel like injury reports are something that are they're going to have to be universal. And we've seen how the NBA is now they're fining teams for not for lying about their injury report. I believe Greg Popovich and the Spurs organization got fined this last season because they filed an incorrect injury report ahead of time. Yeah, because. NBA's got partnerships with FanDuel, and I'm sure they have something with Caesar or or, or DraftKings, whatever. All these organizations have these deals where they want to provide accurate information for these for these betters. It hasn't got to that point yet with college football. I mean, I know high school coaches who, when I talk to them Monday ahead of a broadcast, they don't want to give me their full injury report because they just they don't they don't fully trust me because yeah. they don't want me to go to the other coaches and I you know I don't do that but that's how they work it's the same way with college football and that's a million billion dollar organization and at some point you got to think you know depending on what happens with NIL and a new governing body perhaps coming in with college football they're going to try and implement these standardized injury reports and that's going to piss off a lot of coaches. You can't even do it on a conference by conference basis either because who's to say, you know, if the Big 12 in the future decides, yeah, we're going to put out 
everybody's going to have to put out an injury report, and, and it's going to have to be you – know, you'll have to – kind of what the NFL does. You'll have to list practice availability yep. and, and who, who was available today, who wasn't, and be you know as close to an NFL injury report model as you can. But what if the SEC says, no way in hell yeah. we're doing that? No, we're not going to give our opponent a, any kind of a competitive advantage. So it can't. And be, they play each other. Yeah, it can't even be a conference to a conference by conference deal. It's got to be an all or nothing thing. And again, some coaches are more forthcoming with injuries than, than others are. So I don't know. It's just that whole Shams deal got me thinking about injury reports and and where things are headed uh, and, and the like. Uh, Sector says Sark is is Bill Belichick when it comes to injuries. I love it. Again, I got no problem with it. As, as a, and, and it's my job to to disseminate information to the fan base. I would again, I would at the risk of repeating myself. I would rather the coach say nothing than just tell you stuff that he knows is BS and you're pretty sure is BS about whether a guy's going to play or not. And as a fan, I like that approach a lot more than Tom Herman's approach, just letting everybody know, air out every single detail of every injury on the team. Because as a fan, it gives you a little bit. It may be just me, might be a small bit, but a little bit of an advantage over the other team, not knowing all your injuries. Where where are you at on stuff like that, Cam? Because you, you know, before you got into this business, you you're probably the most recent staff member amongst the the crew here that's been in the in the fan realm. Uh, probably you and Ty, I would guess, probably have been the closest to to being fans before you became professionals in this industry. As a fan, what kind of information did you not mind getting out? And whether it's a practice report or an injury or whatever, what's the kind of information that as a fan you were like, eh, I re- really wish that didn't come out? Mm. Uh, you know, as a fan, you, you kind of – it's it's tough because it's both ways because you want to learn as much as you can about your team, right? I mean, I was the same way. Like, I would scour Horns 247 and every message board, every tweet I could find about – you know who could play. I remember was it uh, Garrett David a- David Ash season with Case McCoy when we're yeah. trying to figure out who was going to be the quarterback. Was David Ash healthy? I remember like every every Saturday, every Sunday, Monday throughout the week, just trying to figure out. Okay, it's going to be David Ash. It's going to be Case McCoy. Who else might come in? But at the same time, you know, it's like, as as you learn, it's also a competitive advantage to not release every detail. Yeah. But at the same time, as a fan, you want to know every detail. So it's yeah. either. You know, you find out when the game starts or you find out early as the other team does, as the other opponent does, their coaching staff does. And, I, you know, I'll be honest, I've had um, – And I don't it, even know how much of an effect it really has. I mean, it may not mean nothing. Yeah. In, in other words, you think if you're an opposing staff, it could be like the, like the dummy script that Tom Herman and Oscar Giles picked up for the yeah. 99 Texas OU game. It's like, you, you, in other words, the coach might use the media to intentionally put out misleading information and if your staff is reading and saying oh, oh that guy's not going to play and then you show up on on saturday and that guy's on the field warming up and it looks like he's he's good to go and ready to play maybe a little gamesmanship if you will yeah and you know it takes away from also game planning i think about the georgia alabama national championship where jalen hurts is benched at halftime mm-hmm. where Al- georgia had a great game plan on how to stop jalen hurts right i mean that alabama offense looked Nothing like they had looked all year long. And then what happened? Saban puts in the freshman, Tua, and Georgia was not ready at all for Tua in that second half. And Tua and Bama rolled right by him, right? Yeah, Stoner makes a good point, says, uh, in terms of injury reports, it's based on, quote-unquote, employees uh, versus basically your HIPAA rights. Nothing will change until that changes. 
That's also the the HIPAA thing. We hear that how many times do we hear that get thrown out, Cam? That the word Too oh well, HIPAA. I can't I can't say anything. Oh, but you could say something about this guy, but not this guy. Mm-hmm. And you're going to use HIPAA. Yeah. That's a little too it's much. A, it's a good baseball. crutch for some coaches. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But no, uh, I don't know if that interested anybody, but it's something that I was thinking about this morning and just wanted to get Cam's thoughts uh, on it. We'll take a break, come back. We will have our flex update. We'll have a Longhorn notebook. And right now, we're going to go ahead and give away a copy of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine. We've gotten text Cam from folks to say, I've been to HEB, I've been to this place, that place, can't find it anywhere. You can get one right now. Cam, what's that hotline number? 512-447-3776. 447-3776 is the hotline number. Right now, be caller number eight. Caller eight right now on the hotline, 447-3776. Gets a copy of Dave Campbell's Texas Football. Call right now and get it. We will be right back. Uh, rolling along. Hour number two here on Let the Tower on the Horn. Live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Light the tower. Light the tower on the horn. Jeff Howe, Cameron Parker, Craig Way out on vacation. Taking your feedback on the Specs text line. Talking NIL, college baseball with LSU winning a national championship last night. Texas football, injury reports. Me telling on myself for honking my body trumpet in the stairwell at the Avatar ride at Hollywood Studios at Disney World. So all kinds of fun stuff going on on today's show. Right now, we got to roll along, keep it going, get to our Flex update. Flex ATX for the best high school sports coverage. Listen to the horn and go to flxatx.com. Flex 30 is brought to you by Brain Vault. Brain Vault is a revolutionary and patented mouth guard that has been proven to help reduce the risk of concussion. Visit brainvault.com and join the movement. All right, Kim, what do we have for Flex today? Just a reminder that tomorrow night is our last Flex ATX show until um, high school football season starts. So for about two months, uh, Flex ATX going on their summer vacation. But you can listen to it live 7 p.m. right here on 104.9 The Horn. Zach Lucero, Nolan Hogan, and myself. And if you missed any of the the great shows from the past, uh, Flex ATX podcast, you can find it at hornfm.com. Or just search Flex ATX. We are now up on Apple Podcasts, Jeff. Um, yeah. Last week, um, had Mason Cochran in studio. And Mason Cochran just won the seven-on-seven seven 
Division One state championship this past week with the Round Shout Rock the Dragons. Dragons. So congrats to Round Rock. And uh, yeah, so tune in tomorrow night. Looking forward to it. Nice. You guys going to do anything crazy for the Sunday? I'm not sure. I think Sack and Nolan are planning it. So um, I don't know anything. They've been they've been keeping it low profile. Like, but we're getting ready for, you know, we're in the process of getting our Flex ATX watch list for the 2023 season. There you go. In store. So we may preview some of our choices for that. Our watch list will come out, I believe, uh, July, August sometime. So keep an eye out for that. But we may be talking about that, hopefully. I've been wanting to get the Round Rock guys in studio for the baseball team. But, you know, summer ball is pretty busy. Travis Gore, he's pretty yeah. busy getting ready for the MLB draft. So, um, but we'll see. Uh, just keep an eye on this space. I was wondering if, like, you know, Nolan was going to be willing to take a taser shot or something as a send-off for, um, for the season finale. I don't think so. I, I, I don't think so. I think we play the Bob Cole um Tase a little bit too much for him to <laughs> not want to get that, but you, you never know. Do you have that at the ready? I, I'll be able to find it here. Okay, I want to hear that before we get out of here. Just saw Bob Cole in the hallway. I don't know what he was doing, opening up a package of paper. What do they call that a ream of paper? Something like that. Yeah, it's getting some paper. Yeah, it's exciting. Um, wow. All right, good stuff. Uh, before we get to the uh, Longhorn Notebook, CB was wondering was someone's phone ringing during the break? We had a little snafu with. Uh, Craig telling you about one of the wonderful companies that he endorses. And, uh, no, we had just, you just heard somebody trying to call into one of Dave Campbell's Texas football magazine. Cam, actually, Cam, do you have our, our second winner from yesterday and our winner for today? So for today, uh, it'll be Derek Harrison. Nice, Derek. Congratulations. And that's our winner for today. Don't remember our winner from yesterday. We do not have the winner from yesterday yet. Okay. Awesome. Um, all right, so tune in again tomorrow to get your copy of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine. Also, we're giving them away on the website. Go to hornfm.com and see how you can win them there. Uh, we did get a texter asking, will you please ask the listeners where they are buying Dave Campbell's? All the texts we've got, camera that people can't find it yet. Mm-hmm. So I can't tell you where to buy it on the people who still use the term newsstands or grocery stores or wherever. Nobody can find it. As far as I know. The only place that you can certainly get one in the greater Austin area right now is on our where it, our, our, our airwaves or on the website at hornfm.com. So once they start getting circulated, we will let everybody know. But why why pay the cover price when you can just get one for the price Went of for free? Free, free 99 No better price than that. All right, Cam, let's go ahead and get to uh, this hour's edition of the Longhorn Notebook. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. Cam, you uh, you did get a text on the Specs text line that said it's time for you to get your own show. I agree. You need your own show. Cam does shine. That's why I don't have any problem getting letting Cam get on the microphone and talk because Cam knows his stuff and he's a professional. Cam, what what year did we meet? Were you were you doing student media when Charlie Strong was coaching? I was, was Tom it? Herman, but we met at a Tom Herman press conference. Okay, that seems like. Trust me, Charlie Strong, Charlie Strong's four years and everything Tom Herman pre-COVID for me just kind of runs together. Yeah, like then everything from 2014 to like 2019, that five-year period is all it all I, bleeds together. It was nice of CDC to hire Steve Sarkeesian the year after COVID because that makes it easier, I think, for for myself to kind of understand the Tom Herman era. It was like, yeah, it started uh, in 2017 mm-hmm. and it ended when the world went to hell. Yeah. Which is also, coincidentally, is when 
Texas football was also <laughs> in hell. Uh, got a message from text from Jeff Mudd said, Jeff, you promised me a director's cup t-shirt <laughs> for the text that Dan and I never got it. I will take a Dave Campbell's in exchange or maybe a Kwame Cavill jersey. Uh, if I if I had a Kwame Cavill jersey to give you, Jeff Mudd, I would not be giving it to you. That would go on my wall. Man, I've got a bunch of Texas autographed jerseys that I need to get framed, man. I've got Earl Campbell, Deontay Foreman. i got a Malik Jefferson jersey I need to get framed. Uh, my all-time favorite Longhorn, Casey Hampton. I got a Casey Hampton autographed jersey in the frame. So, uh, and I the problem is, Cam, when I do that, not only is framing expensive, I gotta have. I don't think I have the wall space to get all that stuff up. But such is life. It's first world. It's problems. A lot of space, even just from the bike. I, I have a Finch Young signed 2005 National Football National Championship football that he signed. I'm trying to buy like a football case, like a hundred bucks at Home Goods. Yeah, like, it's dang. Uh, you need to go to. Uh, you know what? You might need probably to go. just eBay it and find a little you cheap. Might need one. to go see my guys over at Card Traders of Austin because okay. I know they carry Ultra Pro Surprise. I don't know if they got any. Uh, you know what? I'll I'll make a phone call see if they have football cases. If not, I can probably get you one. So just remind me on that. Love to hear that. Um, <laughs> we'll get to Texas football in a second, but Cam, uh, this texter wants to know, in your opinion, who wins a fight, a fight to the death, between Pat Bev and Russell Westbrook? Mm, to the death? Um, I added the to the death part. Okay. I would say Russell Westbrook. He's a little bit taller, a little bit bigger. Um, I think Pat Bev just likes to talk. I think Westbrook actually backs it up. I, I, so I, I would go with Russ. Okay. Russ over Pat Bev in a fight. All right. Uh, speaking of fights, Kelvin Banks looked like he was about ready for a fight during the OU game last year. And as we get back to our most recent insider at Horns 24-7, uh, you can get this on the site. Asking a former uh, Big 12 coach familiar with Texas roster their opinion on the most indispensable players for the Longhorns in 2023. First Longhorn notebook, we cover the defensive side of the ball. Now we'll shift over to offense. Surprise, surprise, Cam. Kelvin Banks is first up. This coach said, quote, just turn on the film. The guy played with the confidence of a junior or senior as a true freshman. Guys like Banks are unicorns. They really are. With young offensive linemen, especially at left tackle, a lot of times even with the really good ones, it's paralysis by analysis that slows them down when they first get on the field. Not Banks. He trusted his training from the beginning, didn't take false steps, and clearly did a great job of studying opponent tendencies. The other thing that jumps off the screen is his ability to scale to the second level and how efficient he is when pulling and getting clean shots on defenders in space. Banks made the left guard, be Hayden Connor, a better player last year. He's pushing and elevating everyone in that O-line group with the way he practices and plays. As long as he just keeps taking the next steps, he'll be a first-round pick in the 2025 draft. Pretty good synopsis of where Kelvin Banks is right now. There was times last year you just you didn't worry about Kelvin Banks, and you didn't even remember he was a freshman because he was that consistent. He was that important to the Texas offensive line. A big reason why Texas won, you know, a lot of battles in the trenches was squarely because of Kelvin Banks, mm-hmm. and for him, the him coming back is huge. And you know, it's also kind of easy. It's like what players are most important. Well, probably the ones who might be a first round draft pick the next year. Yeah, and that's Kelvin Banks. Yeah, if you look at the edge rushers Texas faced, you know, Will McDonald went in the first round. Felix Anaduke Ozoma went in the first round. Obviously, Will Anderson, um, Tyree Wilson went in the top ten. The only guy that I remember, Cam, of those four that really had a, a good game against Texas that did anything noteworthy was Tyree Wilson. 
They had a couple of nice plays. Um, Who was drafted number eight overall, right? Seven or eight, yeah, by the Raiders. Um, but other than that, I mean, for, for Kelvin Banks to play as well, as well as he did against Will Anderson and then three other first-round draft picks, sky's the limit for Kelvin Banks. I also believe the sky is the limit for the second player that this former boy. Big, former Big 12 coach mentioned, the guy that I think the Texas offense needs to revolve around in 2023, the one J.T. Sanders. Quote, no one's talking about how this guy – Blew it by not choosing to play defense, right? Remember all that talk when Sanders was coming out of Denton Ryan? Oh, he'll make more money. Uh, he'll make more of an impact rushing the passer than playing tight end, a lot of people said. This guy caught the second most passes on the team. I can count probably four drops Sanders had that he's probably still losing sleep over. Those need to go away. But I have Sanders as indispensable more so than Xavier Worthy because, believe it or not, Sanders can do what Worthy does down the field. Sanders will just do it down the seam instead of outside and down the sideline. Sanders creates so many problems for the defense in terms of who matches up on him, and having a quarterback who is a year older and wiser in Sarkeesian's offense should mean even more production for Sanders. His high-point ball skills, I, I think, as good as he was last year, Cam, you've only scratched the surface of what this guy can do. And his impact as a blocker, as much split zone as Texas runs where you're getting that split flow from the tight end and you cut it back the other way, the running back does. Split zone has been a really good run concept for this offense, and a lot of that has to do with the job J.T. Sanders has done emerging as a blocker. You really credit Jeff Banks with not rushing him really cultivating him as a freshman, instilling the basics, getting that baseline established, and then just letting him take off on his own in 2022. And we saw the year that he had uh, set the Texas single-season record for receptions by a tight end. And Cam, he's got a chance, believe it or not, depending on what he does this year, to leave school as the most statistically prolific tight end in school history. And that's that's assuming he doesn't come back as a senior. But J.T. Sanders can have that type of year this year for Texas. He was second on the team in receiving yards, second in touchdown reception, second in catches. That was with an offense that was pretty restricted. Didn't have a lot of other options. Defenses knew they could game plan for, you know, Bijan. They could game plan for Worthy and Sanders, and that was pretty much it, right? Now, I mean, for me, going into this season, if you stay healthy receiver-wise, you're going to have a lot more options. Outside of Worthy, who will actually be healthy, hopefully. Nayer, Jay Witt's coming back. You, you've added a couple of big freshmen, A.D. Mitchell. So there's more weapons, more players, defenses have to game plan around, right? And I think it's going to open it up a little bit more for J.T. Sanders. And if it doesn't, it's going to open up things more for the other guys who are going to benefit from this. So it's going to be, a, I think, a huge year for J.T. Sanders. I'm with you on that. As mentioned in that piece, the drops, you know, he had a couple – Couple tough drops, right? Mm-hmm. I think about the one against TCU. TCU yeah, yep. I think it was back to back plays with Worthy and Sanders, both with a pair of drops. It just made you. That's that's when I think I knew the Texas was going to lose that game. Was it there. one against Baylor too that he had? I want to say it was the Baylor game. Yeah, okay. I remember there was one too. Uh, the other thing that, and I know I, I did a a pretty big in depth story on on just JT season and his emergence during the leading up to the bowl game, and when I talked to him in San Antonio. I don't know the one thing he said he was really going to work on this offseason was being better after the catch. He said the thing that really annoyed him the most is how much meat he left on the bone in terms of yards after the catch, and safeties should not be able to bring him down one-on-one in the open field. He really wanted to work on that this offseason. We'll see. If he can if he can add that to his game, that's really, Cam, honestly, the, the one thing he's missing is 
the after-the-catch ability. That's what separates him right now from a guy like Brock Bowers. Like, you see Brock Bowers catch the ball in the open field. He's getting yards after the catch. Yeah. He'll he'll bowl over safeties. He'll go around guys. He'll go through guys. Uh, he's got speed to pull away from linebackers. That's the one thing JT needs to add to his game, I think, to take himself to the next level. Um, I mentioned Brock Bowers. How about Brock Bowers' former teammate as the third most indispensable player on offense? This is not in any kind of order, but, again, this is the former Big 12 coach talking to Horns 24-7 about the most indispensable players they feel are on the Texas roster this year. Uh, A.D. Mitchell came up as a, as a wide receiver. Uh, said Mitchell's probably not the receiver most would expect to have as Texas' indispensable wideout uh, when worthy uh, is still on the roster. But, quote, Mitchell is every bit as fast and explosive in and out of his breaks as worthy, and Mitchell is six foot four, way stronger than you think, and goes after 50-50 balls and makes contested catches like his life depends on it. Go check out his catches in the college football playoff against Alabama two years ago and the game winner in the final minute against Ohio State in the semifinals this past season. Those are NFL-caliber catches. Put me down as someone who thinks Mitchell will lead Texas in receiving and will likely have wow. double-digit touchdown catches as long as he remains healthy and on the field. Then he'll probably go pro and be a first-round pick, end quote. Very, very high praise from this anonymous coach on what they think about A.D. Mitchell. No kidding. Leading the team in receiving yards and touchdowns. I mean, he's a guy that he scored in every single college football playoff game, right, for Georgia. Mm-hmm. That's a stat. You know, you could say it means nothing, but I think it means a lot. He's a guy that will rise to the occasion, but also literally rise because he's such a big dude. We saw that one-handed grab in the spring game, a little mm-hmm. bit of a preview. And, you know, the point I made about JT Sanders is the more weapons you have, the more easier it will be on Quinn Ewers and the more it will open up things on offense, right? Instead of just having one or two guys you can throw to. You know, Mitchell, when you think about Texas offensively, like – He's not, he's not the first one that comes to your mind. You know, you're still kind of processing, okay, well, Sanders and Worthy are the two guys. There's still A.D. Mitchell right there who's going to have a huge role in this offense. And as a Texas fan, yeah. I'm excited to see, you know, how Sark schemes up this offense because it could be really special if all the right pieces fall into place. Yeah, we also forget about Isaiah Nayer. And, like, we were talking at this time last year, uh, you know, about the kind of impact that he could have especially coming off the spring game. And you, know, you you looked at his profile, Cam, like you start you – know, uh, we, we talked about it on a Longhorn Blitz. You pulled up his PFF profile and you look at things like contested catch rate, mm-hmm. you know, average depth of target, you start breaking down those numbers. The profile was a lot like Gabriel Davis now with the Bills, who's one of Josh Allen's top targets. That profile was really, really similar. Uh, he was one of the best in the country in terms of average depth of target. A really, really good uh, contested catch rate down the field. Um, a lot of his passes were caught down the field. And, you know, you add that dynamic now with A.D. Mitchell and a healthy Xavier Worthy. And, oh, by the way, we forget Jordan Whittington's back, too. You can make the argument, and I've seen this in some of these preseason publications that are coming out now, you can make the argument that Texas has one of the best receiver rooms in the country. You can. It should be. And it should be. The way you've recruited – not just the high school ranks, but the way you've recruited through the portal, everything you've got on this team right now, you should have one of the best receiver rooms. And in there's the still Jonte Cook, uh, Ryan Niblett, DeAndre Moore, DeAndre Moore. There's a there's a lot of Casey Kane still around. Casey Kane's still there. There's a there's a lot of Savion Red, who he might be running back. Uh, he'll, he'll be a running back, yeah, but he'll be in that that he, that hybrid that hybrid role with uh, Trey Wisner will be in that role. You'll see Keelan Robinson in that role. Uh, 
that that I'm I'm interested to see how much, especially with the transitional year running back, how much that role expands. And speaking of running back, Cam, this coach mentioned a fourth Longhorn on offense. It's Jonathan Brooks. Quote, I think Brooks is really good, the coach said. And I'm reading this again from the Insider at Horns 24-7. You can go to the site right now and check that out. Quote, I really liked him coming out of high school, and I like him even more now because every time he's on the field, he's productive. It's possible for guys with plus talent to maybe have a doubt or two creep in when you have to wait your turn behind guys like B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson, but that's not who Brooks is. He's really confident in his abilities, and I don't get the sense that the moment is too big for him. I know Texas had a really talented running back room. I, or has a really talented running back room, excuse me. I just get the sense Brooks is further along right now and all the nuances needed to be a plus back from pressing the hole and picking up the blitz to catching the football. Me listing Brooks as an indispensable guy for this team may surprise some people, and maybe I'm wrong, but I think Brooks is going to surprise some people this season. I think we talked about this yesterday, Cam. I think Sark's 1,000-yard back who will probably catch as many pa- – I think this is Sark's 1,000-yard back who will probably catch as many passes – as Bijan caught last season. That was 19. Maybe it's the coach in me, but I think, but if I think my team is making a title run, I want the talented guy who's had to wait his turn and now really appreciates his opportunity. There should be a determined hunger in Brooks that will set him apart. That's why I said yesterday, if Texas is going to have a thousand yard back, I think Jonathan Brooks is going to get every opportunity to be that guy. He's someone that I want to see healthy because I watched him in high school at Hallettsville in the playoffs when he was literally carrying four defenders on his shoulders in route to a 200-yard game in multiple touchdowns. It was very it was the the role he played on his high school team very JK Dobbins like. Yeah. If you go back to JK it was it would have been his junior year at LaGrange cuz he was hurt for pretty much his whole senior year. Yeah, very JK Dobbins like. But in this different type of players, but you get what I'm saying. Like did, did everything. I I'm not sure if I'm on the level of indispensable because I do think Texas has the running back depth there that's been built by Stan Drayton and now this, this hard choice with Cedric Baxter, with Jaden Blue. You know, we mentioned Red, Trey Weisner. So, I don't know what indispensable is where I'm at with yeah. Brooks, but I do think if he can stay healthy, he will be the best burning back on this team. You think about the one thing I think, and Tashard Choice is taking it to, uh, you know, he's keeping it going and taking it to another level with the types of running backs he's recruiting with C.J. Baxter in the 23 cycle and now Jarrett Gibson in 24. I mean, you think about where the running back room was when Stan Drayton got to Texas. And, you know. It was dreadful. Yeah. And you think about, yeah, you think about the job that he's done uh, to really rebuild that room. Uh, You know, it was Gosh, 2017, it would have been that would have been Kyle Porter, the end of Chris Warren, Danny Young as a true freshman. I mean, it was it was slim pickings, Cam. I think Danny Young was your leading was rusher. Great? I think Danny Young was your leading rusher at running back that year with yeah, like three hundred and something yards, maybe. I mean, it was it was it was bad. It was really bad. But then, you know, you, you get Keontae Ingram, you get Trey Watson out of the portal. You know, you you, you you thought your 2019 running back was going to be Darian Brown, who unfortunately never played. Then you thought it was going to be Jordan Whittington. It just so happened Roshan Johnson was your running back take out of the 2019 class. Then you get Bijan, and now you're off and running. But, man, that running back room, it's it's really hard to think, Cam, go back six years ago and think about where that thing was to where it is now. This was this was the running back group in oh, 2017. Run it, run it down for me. 
and and think about this and compare it to where we're at right is now. It, is this before or after Chris Warren moved to tight end? This is, I believe, after. Okay. Kirk Johnson, who who was hurt, didn't play, never played. Right. Tony L. Carter uh, had fumble problems and ended up transferring. Danny Young, both by the way, Carter and Young, freshmen. Yes. Uh, one walk on, two walk on. Actually, that's it. The rest were uh, practice squad guys. So you had three, three scholarship running backs. Two were freshmen. One did was Kyle, a sophomore. Did you have Kyle Porter in there? And Kyle Porter, yes. Sorry. So he was a sophomore too. So yeah, sorry. You had four. You had four scholarship running backs. Two true freshmen. A true sophomore. And coming in out of twenty sixteen, which was Deontay Foreman. I mean, none of those guys had more than what fifty carries, twenty five yeah. carries after twenty sixteen. So talk about the lack of experience. Now, of course, you could make the same argument for this year's team, but I feel a lot more confident in the running back group in 2023 than I do yeah. in 2017. Gosh, I, I, man, I would hope so, Cam. Good yeah, Lord. CB, it was Sam Ellinger who was a leading rusher. Yeah. Danny Young was your leading rusher from the backfield. I think I think Danny Young, I think it was like three, I'll say like 370-something, or what does Sam have, like 385, I think. I want to say that was closer. I'll look it up during the break, but, man – that staff just i mean they the the previous staff just they they botched the JK Dobbins recruitment i mean they really found lightning in a bottle with Deontay Foreman yeah they had Chris Warren but you know i saw some tweets from Chris this morning uh yeah you know, i've known Chris for a while now and he was talking about man something to the effect of his college career wasn't near what it probably should have been uh oh you always got that Texas Tech game cam remember that Texas Tech game from oh, Warren yeah. in 2015 Going for 276 and four scores uh, on Thanksgiving night against the Red Raiders, but I digress. Um, All right, uh, we got to take a break. On the other side, we will come back and close out this edition of Light the Tower on the Horn, live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. All right, getting ready to wrap up. A uh, Tuesday edition of Light the Tower. I'm going to go record the Longhorn Blitz podcast in the room next to me when Chad and Cam are on. Cam, I just want to tell you again, I don't want to echo what the texture said. You've done a great job when we've allowed you to be on the air. Allowed is a good way to describe it. It's, it's, no, it's The show is one the show is one third yours. I've said that to everybody that sat in your chair. You've just grabbed the bull by the horns and taken control, sir. Hey, hour five yesterday with Chad, uh, I referred to baseball runs as points. So um, who knew that five hours of radio really get to you? So hopefully, I, hopefully I'll do better today. Hey. We'll not refer to runs as points this how do you, time. How do you feel about this? Now, we can't – I don't have the authority to give Cam his own show. Uh, trust me, if I, if I did, I would. I don't have the authority to do that. But how about Friday? What are you dealing with Friday? Did you love the NBA? The free agency starts Friday. I'll I'll let I'll let you prep and you can do whatever you want. You want to do a full Friday? Out? I'll be out of town, Jeff. Oh, are you, are you really? Yeah, we're gonna have uh, Jack Farrell behind. I'm jumping Jack Farrell. What about Thursday? You in on Thursday? I will be here Thursday. How about Thursday? We do. See, I didn't know Cam was gonna be out of town on Friday. How about Thursday? You prep whatever you want. I'll give you the floor. We do NBA free agency preview with okay. Cameron Parker. All right. I'll just I'll. It's going to be two hours of Chris Paul talk, but uh, 
uh, then that's it. It'll be about <laughs> two minutes, and then I'll kick you in the jimmy. And then we're going back to Longhorn football. Kick you in the jimmy. You'll be sitting with an ice pack on your junk the All rest right. of the show. So if you want to do that, but um, no, man, we'll, I'll, I'll let you All do right. an NBA free agency preview. You down for that? Let's do it. Let's I'll, do it, baby. Every, I think everybody likes this planning our shows on the air. Like this is what we have in terms of a pre-show meeting. It's just on the air. We'll what's your What's your plan for lunch, Jeff? How about that? Uh, I don't know. I'm. Honestly, it might be the vending machine downstairs because I <laughs> got, because I gotta go. That's record not that healthy. No, they actually do. They got those little uh, those little Fig Newton type bar thingies in there. Hopefully, or some pretzels or something. I try to find something that's just not well balanced. Absolute lunch. garbage. And I'll wash it down with a Coke Zero, which is great. But you know, hey, such is life, man. Fig it's, Newtons and Coke Zero. Man, it's a little like fig fruit bar thingies. I don't know what they're called, but they're blueberries and something in them. I don't know. They're good. Good so the stuff. fig bars, yeah, they're, they're they're at least they're healthy for you, but the I lunch like, that's wild. I like those almost as much as I like Bubba Sparks, and I really really like Bubba Sparks. Yeah, as Deliverance Texas home. All right, Cam, great job today as or, always. Stay it, tuned. Joe. Cam is going to hang out with Chad. They're going to have my man Hank South on from Horns twenty four seven to talk a little Texas football recruiting. So you need your recruiting fix. Make sure you get it with Hank and get over to Horns twenty four seven for the latest and greatest in Longhorn recruiting. Also starting to ramp up the team coverage too. Big Twelve Media Days are right around the corner, and the season is not that far away. For the vacation in Craigway, for Cameron Parker, I am Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for listening, and we will be back tomorrow to light the tower on the Horn live, local and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Chad.